This is a free therapy session. Yeah. Now I get what's going on. <laughs> Absolutely. We have a lot of guests. A lot of people lined up. I'm an idea person. Yeah. Like, I want to slap someone when I hear that. Here he goes. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to... Buckle up, baby. <laughs> wow. A very, very, very special episode today with a very special surprise guest, a member of one of the greatest bands of all time. My band. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome David Swirsky. This is too exciting. <laughs> I can't believe I'm actually here. Yo, we should have had like a bunch of whiskey out oh, and like yeah. joints and stuff, right? That's how that, you do it with a guest. Michael's that, feeling Michael needs to front the cool. Yeah, here. I see you've watched Joe Rogan's yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah, uh, flagrant. What do we get here? We get like a coffee. <laughs> yeah. They have to make. It, they have to make yourself. By some yellow fluorescent water. <laughs> there you go. Um, this is weird for me, Michael. I have to be honest. It's like worlds colliding. Yeah, I've been doing this podcast. We talk in reference about the band and the music and stuff, mm -hmm. but. It's real, right, David? We have a real live band member <laughs> in the wild. Real live band member in the <laughs> wild. And um, yeah, Davidal. Davidal, how you been? I've been good. <laughs> Let me say that I'm just so proud of, I mean, I've now gotten to know you too. But I'm so proud of you for, you know, doing all this stuff. Um, <laughs> we were saying earlier, I was just like, I'm just so blown away by, you know, everyone talks about having a podcast and then you go ahead and do one, so... Just what what's it been like to see someone from like what to see Ami put his attention on something other than distant cousins? Here he goes. Because <laughs> <laughs> because I mean Dove does, does nothing else, right? <laughs> nothing. <laughs> and else. You, you make TV appearances. I sit around. And <laughs> Michael's going right for the <laughs> so that you know. First of all, it's a great question because every, every you know the, everyone wants to be nice, but there's always like intense mm. jealousy when you're working with people. But the truth is, is I have to say. And I'm a very jealous person, even though I think I hide it really well. Mm -hmm. But I am nothing but really genuinely happy because when I met Ami, I was blown away by all the different talents he has. So to me, um, Ami does enough for me personally that I'm more than happy to share him with the world. Now, if he has a nervous breakdown at some point and can't do the work that I need him to do, mm -hmm. I might feel it. But mm -hmm. he's like... He does so much. I'm just proud and excited. This episode's for... about me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is going to be really boring. I'm sure at some point we'll get Dude, to something exciting. Go on. <laughs> no, um, but it's really genuine. I, I just love it. I, I, I was so blown away by all the impressions and just so much that I'm really excited that he's sharing it. That's really nice. Yeah. That's really nice. Yeah, it's interesting you said, David, about uh, how like a lot of people talk about starting a podcast or doing this. And that. One of the things Michael and I have covered a lot and talk about is... There's always this idea of the things you want to be doing versus things that actually happen and the execution of putting it into the world. And maybe you could speak a little bit about that because there's always this, you know, we've strategized and spoken about what is the that threshold where something goes from just sitting around in your head to actually manifesting into something real. All right. You well, know? it's doing. It, yeah. You know, it's really doing it. I, this is really bad. You might want to cut this out. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but my, my mom worked at Yad Vashem. She's mm -hmm. a super mm -hmm. Holocaust person. Mm -hmm. and, and I would always... There's a t-shirt, super Holocaust person. <laughs> super Holocaust. <laughs> <laughs> it's a new superhero. <laughs> it's a movie I'm working on. <laughs> if they can find a way to bring it up oh at gosh. any moment. It's oh, a superhero. <laughs> Cape with striped pajamas. <laughs> but, you, know, you know, we grew up with a lot of information oh, on God. the Holocaust. Yeah. And she was always involved. Um, 
this is totally getting off topic, but mm. what, what I would tease her about, because she's also a super hippie. Um, and, you know, hippies in general are really amazing often at dreaming and not as sometimes not as good at doing mm. or action-based stuff. And I would always say, as I got older, I would really annoy her by saying, you know, I think it's true, like, Work makes you free. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> you know what that is, right? Yes. yes. Oh my God, that's the Auschwitz slogan. That's a, a hey, way to way to re way to recoop that word for Jewish pride. To me. I, mean, that's totally. I was like, you know, I think they were onto something, but um, so obviously it's you know it's complicated. But yeah. I really do think that with work, you know, you, so. I'm the worst because I am like, and I hate this word, you know, like I'm an idea person. Yeah. I want to slap someone when I hear that, but I'm an idea person. (laughs) Like I have a lot of ideas. Implementing them is definitely my weakness. So just to put your head down, you know, I actually got great advice from a musician friend, you know, about 10, 15 years ago, maybe. And he said um, two things to me. He said, baby steps. Uh He said, put one foot in front of the other, you know, Mm. and he said, practice. Uh-huh. Which in a way seems like not interesting. Those two things changed my life, so I'm forever grateful. Like, it really hit me hard. Those two things, and I try to do that, and I, I believe in that. So I've had an idea for podcast, but mm-hmm. then you have to do a podcast. Yes, That's yes. Consistency is that we were talking last night with the band about like all, the common thread with every successful endeavor. Besides the way they did things was consistency. Anything that you decide to do is has to be a consistent thing, and then you build up that sort of fitness you know in true in fitness itself but in creative fitness the only way to get good at something and for something to become real and yes. lasting is through consistency however i will say one thing having thought about this a bunch that maybe what the nazis the one thing the nazis <laughs> wow. were missing <laughs> the final is, episode ladies and gentlemen Dubitz Whiskey, extraordinaire musician songwriter and nazi um one thing but i they think had. they were missing is love Oh. And now that sounds like I, I think most people would agree yeah. on that. <laughs> Not right? love of country. Not love of country. Right. But work makes you free, but you have to love the work. And I, think a, lot of them not, did. I think a lot of work. them did, though. They might have loved it, yeah. and they were quite successful. Yeah. <laughs> but the people who were in the death camp... Uh-huh. Of all you the know, ways I could so have seen this going. Telling, wait, wait, what's the problem? That the Nazis didn't love what they did? What they, did? <laughs> they could have loved what they did. <laughs> <laughs> the, well, the, obviously, the, oh, idea, the, 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 work the message, were, the that message work makes you free. Love. The message. I think love. also what's right. important is doing the is work do, voluntarily, well, and what not I'm against saying, your will. Yeah, because that's what, a huge part of not liking it. Well, I think <laughs> in the but, camps, because yeah. I really believe that also. Besides doing the, <laughs> doing the work and being in camps, no, but besides doing the work, it's not going to work <laughs> unless you love it. That's yeah. what I think. Would you do yeah. a Gary Vee sketch in the camps? In like, the cam- oh, you're probably so. you're not you're not being grateful. <laughs> Honestly, gratitude. You're here. Be grateful Honestly, for it. Honestly, the train ride. Did you pay? <laughs> Terrible. Terrible. <laughs> we are getting flagged up the way. Well, that's <laughs> what they were saying essentially, right? They were saying work makes you free. You, you guys are going to be cool. Yeah. That was the propaganda term but i guess it holds it has power work is free loving your work and yeah. working makes you free maybe yes yes loving what you do is makes you free doing what yeah you know, and doing it with doing all your what love, you love. all right intact. enough with that along the way <laughs> enough with not even love maybe we'll get let's off holocaust for a little but it's glad that your mother did great work for you yeah. let's just say that she, hopefully she won't watch this we're all we're all real super juice here we're allowed luckily to talk. she doesn't know how to use the internet right. so, so. we're allowed to talk like this your mom you grew up i i, I only know the legend of david a little bit <laughs> and, and the band that you're in the moshe band like i grew up 
not really grew up, grew up, but like in high school, I discovered you guys. Mm-hmm. And like, you grew up in like a real hippie commune type of place, right? It wasn't like a yeah. theoretical thing. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely very hippie. Uh, the, the, our, I would say about 90%, at least, of the parents were hippies from the States who. Uh-huh. It, was in, of, it was in Israel. Were in yeah. Israel. Yeah, they were sort of, you know, for whatever reason, left. Um, the states where uh-huh. they were hippies to sort of start a new thing and you know we're into judaism and zionism uh-huh. you were originally born for the folks who don't know because i know yeah. and i don't i don't know either doesn't. i don't really know either so yeah. take us back to the beginning yeah well yeah. i it's confusing because i was born in ohio but my parents uh-huh. left there when i was like a month or two old so mm-hmm. and, okay. and i have nothing to do with ohio except uh-huh. that i was born there mm-hmm. and then traveled around the states for a little bit and then moved to israel basically okay. that's the short of it and like just hopping trains in the states and then... yeah you know they i think were a little bit zionist it, like in a very old school way where the, you know golden ear was like uh-huh. beautiful uh, to them and they were also super liberal which isn't which is a little unique to my situation super liberal politically and were really disappointed with america right. so we're moving to israel to sort of in a utopian ideal which is oh, a, wow. kind of an interesting thing were they thrown by the politics of the Moshav? Because that might have been not what they were expecting for a hippie commune. Because I feel like Moshav is the Moshav is an interesting place, at least yeah, ideologically. The place, yeah, that place. So we didn't go right there, by mm. the way. First, we moved to a vegan Moshav up uh. north, which was more aligned politically, but hated my parents for other reasons, <laughs> you know, because they were too hippie. Uh, you know, but... But the Moshav, yeah, you know, that's a very deep thing. I don't know if you want to get into the weird politics of Israel and Jews and Americans. Why not? We have a lot of (laughs) listeners who'd be interested, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, so (laughs) there was definitely a confusing element. We've already appealed to the hard right listeners of this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go left. (laughs) Let's lose everybody. (laughs) Even the two fans that were tuning in maybe to see me. Um, Yeah, by... It was I, it, and I'm kind of grateful for it. But my dad hated religion. Uh-huh. Hated it. Uh-huh. He was almost. I guess you would say, what's the word for someone who doesn't believe in anything again? Atheist, like, nihilist, atheist. Or yeah. nihilist. Nihilist. I don't nihilist. know about nihilist, but atheist. Almost an atheist. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think if you really drill down on it, uh, hated religion with a passion, but then moved to a place that yeah. was like completely sort of religious cultish. But he right. also, so it was very confusing. And then as there a was kid. a leader, like a well, there was a leader of the Moshav, too, a religious leader. And he, there's nothing he despised more huh. than a cult leader. Ooh, and literally wow. moved. He didn't despise mm-hmm. Shlomo mm-hmm. personally, but he couldn't stand it. You know? the, so the this Moshav worked, yeah. was founded by a spiritual music musician and leader, Rabbi Shlomo Karma. Yeah, who was yeah. you know is an incredible person, somewhat controversial person, yeah. but really a a big figure, and certainly, I never heard of him until I moved to the Moshav. Uh-huh. But mm-hmm. how old were you when you moved? I was so it's funny. I have my son is the exact same age. So I was uh-huh. in the summer between third and fourth grade. So this was like early nineties or mid nineties. Mid nineties, mm-hmm. yeah. Cool. Uh, uh, so sh- Shlomo died in ninety four, right? Was he well, still alive? So it wasn't the mid nineties. What yeah. am I talking about? It was. Li- it's. It was, in fact, late 80s. (laughs) Sorry, I'm really bad with numbers, I should warn you. okay. So that was, yeah, okay, cool. Interesting. All right. I never asked you that also, like, your father's, um, how he processed and existed in a culture like that, that had such, you know, personalities that people all galvanized around. 
Yeah, it was wild. My mm-hmm. my uh, my father, who passed away recently, mm-hmm. was like, and I feel like it's a very New York Jew type. He uh-huh. kind of, I would say, he almost defined himself more by what he didn't like than mm-hmm. what he liked. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. he hated the Yankees. You know, hated uh, Trump. Yeah, you know, he's hated he hate, masses. He hated. He rooted for the underdog, mm-hmm. and he hated anything that was popular. You know, right. Um, he was kind he, of intellectual like that because he, you know. Yeah, and he was a contrarian, mm-hmm. which I've inherited some of, yeah. you know. <laughs> but it was really, um, I didn't think of it at the time, but now looking back, it was so confusing, but also kind of mind-opening mm-hmm. uh-huh. to be thrown into a situation. Then I was sent to a school. I was never religious. My parents weren't religious right. until we got to the Moshav. Oh, my wow. mom was starting to be interested. Mm-hmm. Um my mom ruled the house you know, mm-hmm. in a certain way. But um, to be then, I was sent to uh, like ultra-Orthodox school yeah. or on, very on Orthodox. the Moshav? Off of the Moshav. Okay. And I had never prayed before, like in uh, a religious sense. Yeah. So I remember looking around the room trying to time. Your yeah, yeah, like yeah. I was like, <laughs> 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 and you didn't where, speak where? Hebrew, right? Well, I did because we okay. lived up north in Israel. Okay. It's funny because in America growing up in modern Orthodox suburban America, we were all doing that too. Just... Copying the bows and mumbling, but for different reasons. Right, we right. just weren't paying attention. <laughs> that's what that's what we do. Right. Obviously, the situations are very different. I do it till today. Thing. I have yeah. to say, yeah. I catch myself in certain situations. I'm How much like, of them? Yeah. I'm like, what am I doing? I don't have to do this anymore. Yeah. <laughs> and you time your shuckles. Um, but you're like living in this contradiction from at its inception. You know, like yeah. your parents are a certain way. You're from a different kind of because I feel like there is this sense of the cult of personality, the Moshav sort of people who are bought in and like in a way everybody's sort of singular but you seem to have lived in a little bit of a more contradictory of two minds trying to like forming an identity how, how did that work out how, how did you do yeah that? my my <laughs> wife shira calls me the riddler you know because i think i see things it's very hard for me not mm-hmm. to see th- things from two opposing sides mm-hmm. it's very difficult for me to be like this is the way i'm always like well you know anything you tell me i'll be like yes but right. and you sleep in green spandex and it's a <laughs> That's, a separate thing. <laughs> the That's a whole nother. Oh, it's the an Riddler. American yeah, Riddler yeah, Batman yeah. reference. I had a feeling. I was like, okay. It's a, spe- <laughs> a specific Jim Carrey. It's a specific Riddler Jim Carrey. No, but now, the now that you're saying it, I know what the question yeah, was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not untrue, but. Um, yeah. <laughs> But no, you're that's that makes a lot. I'm kind of discovering that now why you're kind of always uh, in two minds about things sometimes because you were in this living contradiction a little bit. Totally, yeah. I've only thought about that recently, you yeah. know, with ther- lots of therapy. Right. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> Does that make it hard to do things because you're always trying to see the idea from both sides and not like it what, could what, be? Yeah. yeah, it could sometimes. It's something uh-huh. I have to sometimes struggle with, right? It's also just it's very hard for me to get stand behind it like i'm often very i i kind of admire people who feel really strongly about something because mm-hmm. for me like i have my beliefs but i'm always like i'm not gonna like run out onto the street because like i'm like yeah that's a good point but it's not that simple you can't just go out onto the street and yell about it right like, it's more complicated than that yeah. yeah but you are in touch with your gut i've worked with you for many years writing songs and especially artistically and creatively you certainly you trust your gut and when you do until you don't and then you're also you're also there but you do when you're in the moment you definitely have strong feelings about things in terms of being in touch with your gut yeah and not being too caught up in your head yeah that's on interesting. the opposite this is like a th- this is a free 
therapy yeah. session. Yeah. Now I get what's going on. Here. Yes, yes, yes. Talk, tell us. Uh, about it. Talk more about that. That's the a good point. But yeah, that is a good point. Mm-hmm. I don't really know what to say about it. I think you're right. But um, yeah, I I have gut feelings. You know, yeah. a lot of times. But maybe most of us feel this way. I definitely felt like a lot of my childhood I spent having strong feelings inside, but mm-hmm. always checking out what the scene is because mm-hmm. not like always thinking twice before expressing something mm-hmm. because you know wanting to make sure mm-hmm. i can always see what fits even if i choose not to fit in i i'm always assessing the situation you know yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. that's interesting because i think that it could be the fact that you know we sort of grew up with in our background it was a very stable environment around us even if it was a facade and eventually you sort of cross over to the other side and sort of realize everyone's a mess. But everyone was doing their best job to, unlike sort of between the parents and the kids, to create stability, to have stable institutions and schools and synagogues and those kinds of things. And even if it wasn't fully true all the time or consistent, it did provide you with a sense of a stable identity. But in the environment that you grew up in, because it's interesting... One of the, you know, in the environment that you grew up in was a little more uncertain where that was. You were constantly questioning and figuring out and navigating that and not necessarily building up a trust in your own instincts because you didn't have like a default stable surrounding to base anything off of. Even to disagree with it, it's still stabilizing. I mean, if you want your kids to kind of question things, Mm -hmm. like move into an area where everybody disagrees (laughs) with you, you know. But, you know, I don't think think there was anything intentional on my parents' side. And I, when I say that, I mean like really, they were hip, like they're hippies. They mm-hmm. do, they don't plan stuff out. Right. Uh-huh. They move with the gut. Right, right. Um, so it's not like they had any deep plan to do anything. It's I'm not, just yeah, like they it's a, they landed on the moshav and yeah. they were like, well, what school is there? And that was right. the school. Mm-hmm. So now, now you're a professional musician. Is that yeah. is that all you do? Yes, but I do a bunch of different things within music. And actually, uh. I do a bunch of different things within... They're all sort of almost all related to Judaism in some way, which is weird because at a certain point, I kind of felt intentionally like I wanted to get away from it. Not right. that I did necessarily, but yeah. I definitely felt the need or the want to. And these days, I'm finding it more and more interesting to be Jewish and mm-hmm. musical and what... You know, I'm just feeling more comfortable with that. I think uh-huh. I've seen enough Judaism now to where I am relating to it in in a different way, uh-huh. like, like it, from from a real way, and not like, oh, am I supposed to do this? I don't want to do this. You know, just feeling like, oh, how, this connects me to certain. Right. It's so funny because, like, you think raising your kids around Shlomo Karlbach on the Moshav would give them like a like the healthiest Jewish identity ever, but it sounds like you kind of deal with the same thing we, we deal with going to like modern Orthodox schools in New Jersey. Well, I'll push back a little on that. And I think a healthy relationship with Judaism is a complicated relationship. Ooh. That's always questioning. Mm-hmm. In fact, I think that might be what Judaism is all about. That's what it means. The, truth. the struggle with God. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, that's what it's supposed right, to be. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah, you say I, that all the time. And, yeah. and it's not supposed to be easy or healthy or stable. It's supposed to be... Uh, it's supposed to open your mind yeah. and question things. Right. Literally, it's yeah. full of questions. Mm-hmm. The Bible as a book is full of contradictions and questions. Right. I mean, 
I but, think that's if there's one thing Judaism has given the world in a certain way, or at least contributed, would be that. In my the eyes. Bible is perfect. Yeah. Um, we're sponsored by evangelicals. Um, <laughs> I wish. Um, bridge that gap, though. I think it's interesting because going to professional working musician now, from childhood right, on the so Moshav, right? That's what we want to hear. We about. talk a lot about sort of the resistance, the encouragement, the discouragement met on choosing creative endeavors when you come from our community, which is more homogenous, and you know it. I'd love to hear your take on it, having yeah. arrived here and being a part of it, sort of performing for us growing up and the audience and the demographics of you know, East Coast Jews and West Coast Jews, yeah. and Jews of the States, the, yeah. the modern Orthodox community, which has embraced the projects that you've been a part of. Um, you know, In terms of your deciding at that point, because the Moshav was a very musical place and you didn't have the detractions that we had of TV and all that kind of 90s yeah. nonsense, which was great, but you guys had music. Yeah. So... Maybe talk a little bit. I'm just curious about the musical influence of the Moshav and then the people who took it for, to the place that you take right. it to. Well, that's great that you mentioned that because, you know, it's when my father moved to a place where religiously he was not aligned with anyone, when I think about it now, it's like just as important as religion, music was to mm -hmm. the place. And my dad was the biggest music fan I've ever met. Mm -hmm. He wasn't a musician. Mm -hmm. My mom played... He wasn't, but he loved music like no one I've ever, ever met and um, knew so much about music. And so that's what he had in common with a lot of the people. But growing up, yeah, that mm -hmm. it almost everyone my age, you know, the, it's changed now. There's TVs and stuff. Mm -hmm. My age, everyone played an instrument. Because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. like you say, that's one of the things that we did. And that was like the currency, the social currency. That was way, social right? currency. It was spiritual currency. It was mm -hmm. all currencies, at least in my eyes. I mean, like... Did it feel competitive? Like who can do what? Oh, for sure, mm -hmm. for sure. And I and there was certainly starting out. Everybody was better than me personally. You mm -hmm. know, I was not one of the best at all. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, it was. Every, all things were competitive, but it also was very together because mm -hmm. we would jam together all the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, we grew up playing together. Mm -hmm. You know, sitting on porches late at night, playing endlessly. Um, mm -hmm. And then quickly performing, and um, in that way, it was incredible. Really, like a music school in a certain way. Um, and yes, complete. I was completely encouraged to be creative. Um, and I, but I also personally had no pressure on me to. And again, I don't want to paint my parents as these completely irresponsible people. Mm. They're, they were good, at sort of responsible people, mm. but very, just very different ideals. There was no pressure to do school or anything else, mm -hmm. really. But there was pressure sort of to uh, create something mm -hmm. meaningful, maybe. Wow. Do you think that's an Israel thing or a specifically a Moshav thing? Just that's that specifically wow. a Moshav thing mm -hmm. and specifically my family. I don't think everyone on the Moshav was the same in that way, but similar. But Israel is different than the... It, it's everything to me is a little bit more the Wild West in Israel or uh -huh. the Wild East. Also you more know? European <laughs> and more European influence. It's also just new and it doesn't have the same foundation that mm -hmm. you grew up in. Yeah, the same like really solid uh, financial. And again, we're generalists. Say it, though. but but it's, <laughs> it's just more like I get it. Even yeah. with my kids, I'm looking at my kids and I'm a little bit more like you have to go to school. Yeah. Like, what are you gonna do? Like, right. my parents. All. All Americanized. <laughs> Go <Yeah>. to school. <laughs> but you know, like we talked about the other day, they were running from the 50s right. like crazy. Right. Your they, were, yeah. they were running with all their might from what they saw as like the black and white mm -hmm. 50s, you know, uh, boring. Honey, I'm home. Is my casserole fake ready? Fake 
full of pain Mm -hmm. right under the surface. That's what I grew up with. I felt like they were running from that. They were Uh like, we want it. We're not going to hide it. We're not going to pressure it. Mm -hmm. We're going to blow it wide open. That's Mm -hmm. what's the feeling. Wow. That's cool. (laughs) What do you think? How do you think your life would have been different if your parents' message was create something meaningful? My parents? Yeah, yeah. Can you imagine I, that? I have, my parents were a bit of an exception to the typical, like, boomers of, yeah. of their generation. Because even though they fit the profile of, like, overachievers, hyper-motivated to be successful and, you know, uh, and do well for themselves, for some reason, well, they were very hands-off as parents with us. It was not a high pressure. In my house, it wasn't high pressure in terms of grades or, you know, being by the book. Mm-hmm. And, and all of our artistic... And especially for me, I can speak for myself. My creative endeavors and interests were always very encouraged. They yeah. always got like they liked the joking around. They liked my impressions. They liked when I started playing music. They they were happy to support it and encourage it. That was a little unique because in our community, and I'm curious to hear your angle on it. But everybody's encouraging of a well-rounded individual until you get to like professional age, like the George Conflict, military, professional age. It's like, okay, that's all well and good. I'm glad you played a little sports. I'm glad you made a little music. You play a little cello. It's time to make a living and put all that aside. None of that's for that. Yeah. Now it's here are your choices. Oh, God. Here are your choices. Can I say this is the noisiest, beautiful country home I've ever been to? Of course. I literally walked out this morning to get on the phone, and there was like every direct things were buzzing and smashing. Like I was like, this is louder than LA, where I live, like right off of the most busy. Every time we record in LA, you have uh, that too. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's garbage day and all these other things. Half of our tracks have like more from you. Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That's Um, good. But anyway, my parents were more encouraging than the typical. I'd say because most of that stuff, arts. Um, interests, passions, a lot of the stuff is is all well and good while you're developing. Once it's time to go out into the world, you know, your options are law, real estate, medicine, th- which make a lot of sense. It's it a, does it, make it's sense. A, it's an expensive lifestyle to have a, like a modern orthodox life living near a synagogue and a community and private schools and all those things. So it's not like I fault anyone. It's, I, I do judge a little, but I understand it. Um, so my parents were a little bit of an exception to having been like more supportive than you'd expect right, right. but but uh, they were supportive but were they actively saying creating is good or were they just sort of you like you know i think my dad always enjoyed this idea that he didn't have options that i now had because he uh-huh. comes from working class holocaust surviving parents all of my grandparents my mother's and father's side came from europe holocaust survivors and they just they see their choices really as a product of not having any options and the and the path out of it was it a helicopter landing? Yeah, there yeah. No, the helipad. Is that the helipad? Okay. It's taking you to your next podcast appearance. This is Anglewood. Um, <laughs> it awaits. Um, it's okay. These these are uh, pretty directional. Um, but Trump's the next guest. What? Is Trump the next? Absolutely. Guest? We have a lot of guests. A lot of people lined up. He's just setting me up. Um, no, so they saw their path out of out of that like working class, you know. Uh, you know, working paycheck to paycheck environment that they grew up in. My dad raised his parents. He spoke English for them. They didn't speak English. No, that's different than mine. Yeah, so he was really... My dad, at least. Yeah, yeah, so their first language was Yiddish. They were in those, like, early working-class neighborhoods, and that's what motivated them to be so ambitious. And then he liked the idea that it's like, now you can... You know, he always says to me, you know, I could have been a writer. I could write some jokes. (laughs) And he takes pride in, like, seeing, I guess, his funny and his creativity, which he channeled into finance and law and those things and he's a creative guy but he channeled those energies into these things and he liked to see that I was taking that you know and pursuing it but he would also always say like a boomer 
You mean just keep your eye on the ball, huh? You just got to keep your eye on the ball. That ball right. being well, big ball of cash. Big ball of cash. Like I go to music okay. school. I'm going to Brooklyn. We <laughs> say, okay, you might want to take a few business classes. You know, do it for a little bit while you're young, and then you know you get into the business. The business. He'd throw in the word the business. That's the Jewish buzz. Business, right? Because ultimately, boomers don't care what you do; they just care if you're successful. Like in our community, it's like if somebody surprises somebody with a creative endeavor that took off, they're like, "Oh, apparently he's doing really well. Well, thank right. God he's doing really well." Yeah. That's all they really care about. It's well, not you know, like- my dad never gave me any <laughs> advice, zero mm-hmm. on anything. Uh-huh. Just kind of, he said <laughs> one thing to me, and this is at least what I remember. The only time he ever said anything to me that was uh-huh. like at all like that was after I broke my finger and came home from surgery, my, like, second surgery. It's a long story. This <laughs> finger doesn't work, which is interesting for a guitar player. Uh-huh. <laughs> Michael's intrigued. Um, no, yeah, it, do- it doesn't bend. It doesn't bend. You can't, you can't bend it? Can't bend it. Wow. I've, and I've gone through two surgeries. that's sur- the two, guitar fingering hand right here. You yeah, mean, and it was right at, like... how the hell you do that. It yeah. was right at, like, I think... Jerry <laughs> Garcia didn't have one at all, so... Yeah. You, yeah, I think it happened, like, the age at age... Uh, 15 or 16, which was really right when I was starting to gig. And your dad's like, this figure. And smoke pot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I had a room downstairs that my parents built for a different reason. Mm-hmm. And everyone would hang out. We'd listen to records, smoke piles of pot. Because mm. guys grew on the mo- pot right. on the Moshav. And mm-hmm. we would just sit and roll joint after joint. And uh, I came home from the hospital, like literally the day of after the surgery, and had like 10 friends hanging out downstairs. We're all smoking pot. And uh-huh. my dad came to me and he said, you know, I think you should take it easy the day after surgery. And, <laughs> and yeah, I remember I was like, wow, he's never said a thing to me yet. Yeah. Like prescriptive. About like, you should do this, you should do that. I know what you mean, though. And I didn't I listen to mean. him. <laughs> but I never forgot it. <laughs> yeah. It's like one of those things every once in a while your father chimes yeah. in on your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're like, no, I totally oh, you're, you're watching? Yeah, I didn't yeah, know you yeah. were watching this show. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you have that too? You're like, oh, you mean like you realized I haven't been taking it easy? <laughs> like you've been seeing what I've been doing? That, yeah, yeah and at all that he yeah. would think, you know, really yeah. I was like, oh, I think it made me think for a second, like, yeah, maybe it's not a good idea to be doing this, uh-huh. which maybe I didn't have that thought before. I just thought like, this yeah. is awesome. I'm playing music. I'm smoking pot. Or right. My friends are here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, you know, it uh-huh. just gave a different angle on things. Yeah, so I was yeah, like, yeah. oh yeah, this, maybe this isn't the best. So, idea. so when you started doing it professionally, there was a feeling like I'm making my parents proud, like I'm doing the yes. right thing. Yeah. yeah, so that's different. That's mm. a different thing. Not I'm worrying my parents. I'm right. causing concern. Anxiety. No, my parents. I feel so bad. Like I don't like yeah. to say. You know, <laughs> they, they're coming across. Parents, you're, you're speaking well of them. I think they didn't have well, any money. Yeah. Uh-huh. And any money that they did have was not simple to get. Uh-huh. So it's very little money. But that I had was in common with most of the people where I grew up. Yeah. It was very little money. So I, the second I started earning any money, it was kind mm. of a big deal. Mm. I, I had more money than my dad pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Huh. Mm-hmm. And it's oh, not wow. that I had that much money. Right, right, right. I just had money. Right. You know, so very quickly I started to earn, and it's been that way well, since. Well, you went on disability, and you've been coasting on that ever since. <laughs> yeah, the finger, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they don't know you played. It really guitar. wasn't a lot of money, but just the fact that I was earning any money That's was really was also a big deal, you know. Um, were, were they? Was that like a bad? Was they, were they resentful of that a little bit? Not at all. It wasn't like you know real money, money but yeah. it was enough money for me to survive yeah. on personally and not to need to take any from them so so have you ever been like i mean you live in la now has there ever been a feeling of like 
um, I don't even know. I mean, that's, that's what we talk about here, like where where people look at you and they're like, oh, that that musician fella, like when's he going to get it together? Or like oh, when's he going to yeah. figure out his... It's, 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 you've never experienced oh, that. Oh, every day. <laughs> oh, you do? Oh, oh. for sure. Huh, e- Are you kidding? Coming, all the parents yeah. in my kids' class, you know, they're all... But that's from... A, that's an estates thing. When you real estate, lawyers, yeah, yeah. you know. Yeah, so Are you sure. asking from the Mo shop, from home or from here? Oh, no, no, I was asking if... I, I assumed it would have happened once you got to L.A. Oh, in the circles yeah. where I live. Live and, yeah. And okay, so you do feel that. Mm-hmm. Oh, I feel it, and I assume pe- most p- people are probably not feeling it. But That's I wild. walk around with it all the time. Second, you know, I had kids and started to make any money, and and you know, and try to deal with just living in LA in half respectfully. It mm-hmm. becomes it becomes the the biggest challenge and of course yeah, i feel it all the time so then how do you square that with it's not like you have this internal feeling of like i'm doing the right thing and then this external pressure of like get it together oh my god yeah that's <laughs> deciding to do music or creativity for yeah. a life you know is you don't even realize it for me i didn't realize it when i chose it at all you know, coming from where I came from. Right. And, like, I I was just, for years, excited about it. And uh-huh. then one day it hits you that the terror of being a creative yeah. person. What age do you think that was? <laughs> you said seven years into <laughs> L.A. you were like, oh. Yeah, I'll tell you, the first day in L.A. Yeah. hit me hard. You know, I, I remember... Was that like the first place you arrived when you got to the States, or was it East Yeah, Coast? I mean, we moved back and forth a little bit as, yeah. as a kid, you know, but and, and I would come visit mm-hmm. for, and then tour... A little with Moshav. Yeah. That's how it started. Yeah. But the first place I moved to live was Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember, the, like, getting to L.A. and uh, sitting on in, in our apartment and the plumber coming to fix the toilet. And I was practicing the guitar on the couch. And he walked by and he was like, oh, you play the guitar? I was like, yeah. And he said, yeah, can I see it? And picked it up and shredded it. I was like, oh, no. I'm in the wrong place. I was like, I, what did I come here for? I, I feel like there's a part of me that lives in constant terror and pressure for a long time. Since, I guess since, for, for a while, even before I moved to L.A., you know, there's been days, there's been many days where I'm down to like my last couple of shekels or uh-huh. pennies, you know, where you're like scraping under the thing to go get a falafel, you know, uh-huh. like you're the king of the clown, depending on the day, you know, how you feel as that a, too. As a I mean, it's gotten like boom, boom, constantly. it's gotten a little better these yeah. days, but it's not like I've lost that terror mm-hmm. and it's not like I'm so anywhere close to out of the woods. You know, it's uh-huh. almost similar. The more like, time so you... now I'm sh- scraping under to pay for the mm-hmm. for the dentist or the school right. or the car. Or the too many things that I probably own. But. So how do you deal with it when, on, on those days? Uh, so either you, that's a good question, either you fall into the terror mm-hmm. or you do, you put your head down, baby steps, and practice mm-hmm. again. Mm-hmm. I have this image of the plumber. <laughs> your toilet's unclogged. <laughs> Just throwing yeah. it back to you. Yeah. Just toilet's unstuffed. <laughs> yeah, totally. Call me if well. I get stuffed again. And what would have been better, I was thinking, is if he picked it up and his like hands were full of Shit. He's <laughs> like, let me see that. Left you a little yeah, something like, on those strings there. Yeah, pl- um. <laughs> Plumber's hands are just full of shit and piss all the time. That's what. Um, and then but, he's like, by the way, this is going to be $1,500 for the, for the toilet. And the guitar. I'm destroying your ego, and uh, you owe me $1,500. Basically what it was. On the, on the uh, 
subject of other people's judgment or those perceptions of you, do you find it interesting when it like goes from people being suspect and almost wanting you to fail to being your cheerleaders all in the same moment? The second something starts to perk up, all of a sudden the same people who've been like, I don't know. Oh, you got that. Th- that's cool. I saw it. So this, I have found that for sometimes in, in just the way you navigate people and how they're perceiving what you're doing because you're going out on a limb and trying these things, you get this sort of nervous concern. The second something starts to seem like it's legit, you get this very different reaction. It's completely turns on its head. Right. And almost it's it's like they now they're perceiving you as even more successful than you are versus perceiving you before as more of a failure than you are. Well, that's what's so interesting. Yeah. You know, I almost trust the people who look at me as a failure more than the people mm. who who look at me like, oh, wow, you're doing something. Because mm. I know it's not true. Right, right, but right. I'm not well, sure that I'm not not, not a failure. Right. I'm always half thinking I'm a failure. Well, it's always so I'm like, oh, wow, you're really smart and perceptive. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and then if someone comes on me like, oh, my God, you're amazing. I'll be like, ah. yeah. You it's somewhere it. in the middle. It always is somewhere in the middle. It's yeah. not exactly the way people are perceiving it. You're yeah. never quite as. Yeah. Or maybe it's easy to pick on someone. Someone who's really not doing well might be easier to spot than perceived success. I don't know. <laughs> right, but I'm always also nervous. Success is to the moon. Like, you don't know. Someone could be, uh, you know, doing... Like, someone could have some TV show that seems like it's everywhere, and you know the real economics of it and how it all works and the breakdowns right, right. and splits and things. But someone who's not doing well, yeah. there's pretty big indicators. Yeah. So I don't know. Not, not that it's anybody else's business. So, like, I don't also, like, like spending too much time in other people's minds. Like, it's, yeah. it's a waste of time. L- like, yeah. on the day you were in, you were, I remember seeing you in the show Transparent mm-hmm. on Amazon. Like, oh, yeah. the, the day that came out and then and then you drop your kids off for school the next day, yeah. you're probably getting a lot of, like, great feedback, right? Are you kidding? Mm-hmm. You're telling me you're kidding me. I, no, first serious, of all, no, I live like, in L.A. Yeah. Second of all, oh, is that, I is that feel not a big like deal? you... No, first of all, that's yeah. not true at all. Nobody even knows it probably until today. And if they do, oh, that's, really? a, that's a, huh. even though the show, I loved and loved the show and was yeah. very happy to be on it. And huh. um, no, no one, I don't know if anyone's ever noticed me from huh. Transparent, even though it's interesting, no, you know, no. the, there's a character. Mm-hmm. Have you seen the show? Yeah, you kind of There's a character like the, the that guy. I kind of look like yeah. who's the cantor who's but, named yeah. David or David in the show, which obviously was, ba- well, yeah, but the creator my- of that show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, who's amazing? Joey Soloway is like uh, one of the prominent people in the one of the the, the communities Nefesh, this community uh-huh. that where I'm sort of the Hazan yeah. band leader. Mm-hmm. So does, does, it's it's is, very much like art imitating life, imitating art sort of situation. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Consulting for the was, show, it was, it was consulting as well. Yeah. Um, as for that show, I wasn't consulting. I consulted on a different show. Oh. What you, but for that show, it was really just like very much. In you know roughly based on the situation, so they were like, oh, let's have right. the people who play in the sh- on the real is life. Everyone in LA show. is everyone like yeah, I was on a show yesterday. Is but everyone that's, like that? I, I have to I have to correct you a little. You might have perceived not not maybe you pick up on negative feedback more than you do positive feedback. A hundred percent as a as a screen filter. Yeah. But Michael's presenting a view that's represented by a lot of like I get oh wasn't he on that? Don't people chit, like chit and chatter and yenta out on things. Hundred percent. And yeah. when it has street cred. It's inflated perceptions of like, whoa, he's on TV. Like they don't know what that means. And when the artist who's doing it or the person in the business in the grind knows, they usually go, yeah, 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 transparent. It was cool. So it is cool, and you're appreciative of it, but you also know too much. Yeah, hundred percent. It's all true. What's there's a couple of things that are more interesting to me, like some people I know who suddenly in become so successful that they really become different than you. 
and oh, you can't any longer. And then it's yeah. like, that's difficult. That <laughs> I find difficult. Michael loves this <laughs> I love, that I find I really stuff, hard, yeah. you know, because it's just true. You want to think like, ah, it's all the same. You really like, had that? You've had that? A hundred percent. Where you met people that they just, and I've you just known can't people, relate. They're on a different I've frequency. I've known people for a long time, yeah. and they've become so successful that you know they bought their third house, for instance. You know, like name someone drop. It's time for an episode. <laughs> no, time for the segment of the name drop. drop. <laughs> but you know, when it's like, oh yeah, we're kind of the same. We're both creative, and then it's like, oh no, 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 no. That's completely different than me, and I give up. You know, <laughs> you like. Well, you might not I, relate to the same <laughs> lifestyle things, maybe, but at its core, no, no, it's no, just but, a yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. No, but no, but I, that's so interesting. Like, creative. When you sit down with them and have a creative conversation, are they working on such a different plane now that you can't even it's just, vibe on that? Like, it's on that all, level, it's not even specifics. It's just like that realization that they're living now in a slightly different world than you are, and you can pretend that you're not, and you both want to pretend because they don't like being. The right. feeling they love being successful, I'm sure. Yeah. But the feeling that that's now that makes me different than you. They don't want to feel it, and you can't help but feel it. But you certainly don't want. You can't share that. But, yeah. but it, you can tell that there's now a divide. Like, yeah, I'm playing a show, you know, mm. at the Shul on Friday. Oh, really? Well, I'm playing Madison Square Garden every other Sunday, and you're but like, well, is... yeah, I guess you know, I I can't relate to that. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, but tell me, this is all material differences, pretty much. You're talking about not. Like all of a sudden they've ascended to some other plane, like a, yeah, it's like all a, material. Like, like but I want to believe that material doesn't matter, and then you suddenly get this realization on, on myself yeah. that it, yes, it does matter. But it's scale and degree. It's not like you're not relating. It's not like Michael's. I think trying to get at like that. There's this. They, they're now like, you know, elevated. No, to this the point this is what Ami thinks. I think this all the time. Is this true? <laughs> no, 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 no. A little well, bit. Are, can you like talk to him now? Well, yeah, like, I'm always I, surprised to find how real people are beneath that facade surface. No, but, but even he, though they have this inflated like posse around them, and then you get back, you find out they're totally insecure. But, yeah. but I guess here's what I'm saying: when you're when you're playing Madison's Square Garden every other week, um, per, I guess like as as a guitar player, you you're you're progressing and advancing probably more quickly. Than than you are because you don't get you don't get to practice on that level like like do you start to see like they're becoming a guitar le- guitar player on a different level than I am and I can no longer no no no, no not in the deep that. essence okay. way but what I'll find is like stuff like and there is some truth to what you're saying and it's not about the technical thing it's like it's just technically very different to play Madison Square Garden than right. it is to play the Brook and Blow like right. we played the other night. You're thinking, like, how do I fill Madison Square Garden, not how do I give... But not even on that level. Like, literally, it could get to very simple levels of, like, how you're, you work your guitar, mm-hmm. how people hear your guitar. You know, mm-hmm. what are you going through in terms of your amp and right. your thing? And it's going to all... It all becomes different when uh-huh. you're doing it on a level where you're playing even every night. And it's certainly in... The options in the available lo- to Huge you. places. But also, it's more like, you know, oh, we both have kids. Oh, cool. Like, uh, you know, I'm going to, uh, I just got this, you know, I don't know, pool. And you're like, oh, that's awesome, you know. Oh, great. Yeah, it was actually a great price. You know, oh, really? Maybe I'll do that, too. <laughs> yeah, it was $350,000. And you're like, ah, okay. So, again, yeah, I'm definitely saying... keep me in the loop, you know, and you're in your head. You're like, that's never going to happen. Right, right. But it's, so, again, we're reducing it more to these mat- the material differences that happen, but not, and they forget, like, maybe where, like, not everyone's at a specific place where they can do certain things like they know what they're their options have been expanded now that's what comes with that kind of thing and that's where you lose a little bit of that relatability but what i have found is like 
on our path as we've you know had some success as a band and you know and the difference between no I recognize what our own success is and the perceived success is it's that top of the hill foot of the mountain thing for where, sure where you realize you know it, all things being con- all things considered if your lifestyle ratio wise keeps up with your success you're dealing with the same stress every time all along 100% the way. I'm just saying <laughs> and insecurity I'm saying something like this like say what if we don't fill the garden crap we're going to lose tickets we're going to lose money no, what but if we say don't fill the me, like Bowl? you're well on your way to becoming the biggest comedian in the world right say <laughs> <laughs> no but say like right say yeah. you played Madison Square Garden last night and then you went on Jimmy Kimmel book tomorrow and then you come to the <laughs> gig we did last night in Delaware right there's just there's weirdness, and I'm saying actually more about somebody you've known forever, right? Who, well, well, and then they, yeah. it's changed. Well, we had That's, a weird experience because we went to VCon together, and right. Ami, there were there were famous people there. It was Gary Vaynerchuk, the the guy whose conference it was, and then Ami was the second most famous person there. <laughs> it was very it was very very strange. So like for a weekend, I got to experience that. Like, what's it like for your friend to be like a superstar? All right. Um, and it was strange, but I, th- I think the, sh- the strangeness starts to expand more. And I've seen this with my own friends who have seen success when, and, and it's hard like, when they stop sharing, like w- w- when they can't say anymore, like, yo, the guy fucked up the pool and I lost a hundred thousand when they can't share that with you anymore. Cause they feel weird. Yeah. That's really when start yeah. things start mm-hmm. to like, and um, you can't really share with them either. Like, Oh, by the way, I can't afford to feed my kid. You know, I'm not saying that. Don't think I can't, but like you also you okay now, by the way, you got something. Yeah, yeah. Advertisers. We need advertisers, but you know, it's so funny yeah. because but that's buying into your one's own hype. Then somebody, what the yeah. problem is, if there's a perception of your success and then your actual success, if you start to like think like this, which people sometimes do, then they have to maintain this perception, and then they're even living beyond their means, even when they have means, then they're lost well, because but, they're putting all their value in the in the perception of their. But of but their not society. not even means. I, I have a friend who who used to talk to me a lot when we, when we were both like struggling to get attention. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm still struggling, and and mm-hmm. he he like he got his attention, and he's mm-hmm. doing very very well. And once he started doing well, he stopped sharing with me, Name like drop. you know all all that <laughs> stuff. And 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 now there is that distance between us. But mm-hmm. it's, so it's not even money. It's not even about like. Struggling. Just for whatever reason, he I guess he started feeling like um, I maybe I don't want to make Mike feel bad or whatever yeah. it is. And like, in a way, it's a fun example, but in a way, these things are happening beneath the surface all the time with every uh-huh. interaction we do, right? Because you know, as you're saying that, I'm thinking I have people that I don't share. I don't go around sharing every little success I have at all, uh-huh. right? Because maybe this person won't be impressed. Maybe that guy will be hurt by it. Uh-huh. So. So I don't know. I think we all kind of experience those things. Right. But um, in terms of jealousy, that's certainly, I don't think, well, I, I don't know. I'm a pretty jealous person. But mm-hmm. but there's certain ty- things that are, because you were just asking about struggling with how people perceive me. Mm-hmm. And the biggest struggle, as I've found, is that kind of thing, where someone moves, where you're competing, 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 and then it's like, oh, they won. Uh-huh. That's a hard feeling to yeah, have, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. At the same time, you know. You're very happy for the person, yeah. but, but it's hard to admit defeat. You never right. want to admit defeat. But why is one person's success your defeat? You know, that's the other thing. Obviously, now you're talking like the high, your higher self. I'm talking mm-hmm. to the lower for a self. moment about the lower. Let's self. get yeah, reptilian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, we, we talk a lot about how if if you don't have that higher self mindset day to day, you just can't make it. You can't have a career. Because because you, you'll end up giving up at some point when something like that happens. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So you. Yeah. No, no, go ahead. That's that's all. I was gonna say that it's. I, I think there's a difference that I notice between us is like when I see somebody like win, it's almost like instead of jealousy, it's just my instinct is like, 
encouragement. Nice. It's possible. Like yet another person is sort of a is sort of paving that path and it's and it's an example of what I can learn from. I always look at it that way. If somebody was able to do something, I don't think to myself personally like, "Ugh, I wish that was my thing." As much as, of course, I do, but my instinct is that I get I get a sense of encouragement, like, "Oh my God, they were able to do it." So right. it's not a rigged game. Somebody was able to kind of break the rules and do it this way. Here's another way to kind of another path that was windy. Maybe it overlaps with mine, or at least I can model it after that. You know? Yeah. Well, I if I was to be honest, mm-hmm. I'm split. Yeah. yeah, and that's okay. The contradiction. Like, uh, yeah, like, <laughs> but I'm split. Like, what? Yeah. Am I not jealous of? I'm, of course, I am, mm-hmm. and totally, mm-hmm. I'm happy for yeah. other people's success in varying degrees. Mm-hmm. Also, you know, depending on a lot I, of things. I'm like you. I don't. I'm different than Ami. And I when I see someone else succeed, I not only don't want them to succeed, I want to see other people fail. <laughs> You know what there's I mean? a part of me I could totally relate yeah, to there's that. There's a competition in me. <laughs> there's a part of me that feels that you know less and less. That, I think. Why is failure more? No, that's from. Um, is, that's from a movie. Is that from? Nothing a movie? Michael uh, says is ever oh, really? fully that's serious. Right. He goes, I have a competition in me. I want to see others fail. Um, <laughs> but I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that's a very uh, human behavior, like this yeah, natural yeah. human behavior then, in a certain. Yeah. Way. Whenever I do have a taste of success, though, thankfully I find I'm like. I'm very gracious about it, and I'm not. And that doesn't actually exist. I'm just. It's just my own. Uh, well, discouragement yeah, totally. coming out. Yeah. What I've realized in my own life is that the the success <laughs> is not at all any little success I've had yeah. is not at all in the sort of what you get from the success, or even what you would perceive as the moment of success. So right. For instance, we had that song in the movie mm. that at the time was a really big deal and mm-hmm. is a big deal. Um, and, you know, it was the first time one of our songs was in such a big event. Uh, Maybe the, it was a big, it was we a went big to one. the opening. This is where I leave you. Yeah, right, right. We went to the, we walked red the carpet. red carpet. It seemed like, you know. and it was, I remember that when that happened. That was really cool. And it was fun <laughs> and exciting. And then the song came on the screen and I had this weird feeling when the song came on the screen of like, oh, like <laughs> nothing i felt nothing oh, right. it was gone you know that's it it's that's it over uh-huh. everything up to it the writing uh, of it the producing of it the hearing that it got somewhere that was all incredible right and i realized oh work work makes you free like <laughs> the love of work Say it in a german free. accent right, it's right, the love right. the work that that's a jordan you, peterson thing too it's that's it. the success yeah. is doing what you love to do yeah. doing it yeah, that's getting why better at it. You have to enjoy the process because yeah. if you're too goal oriented, you'll always be let down. It's like people it's aren't actually let Jordan down. Peterson, who I obviously know a lot about now. Ready? <laughs> no, do it. No, but he said, you know, it's not about you know stop accomplishing goals. It's putting goals at, in front of you so that you could put in the processes in place to accomplish them. That's what's fulfilling. You know, that's his whole thing. Yeah. When you accomplish the goals, that's just like you knock that off. But getting there, the the, the what you were feeling, he talks about, it's like. You're disappointed. Why? Because something you've really been working towards is no longer there. Yeah, it's so gone. there's a chaos now. Okay, I have to reformulate and put a new goal in place so that I could work towards it because the work along the way is what fulfills you and sustains you. Completely. Yeah. And you know, that's an, one of my breakthroughs. Again, like mm-hmm. I, I don't want to talk at all like I've achieved anything but well but, no but no but you ha- you have in the sense of you're like a professional working musician yeah. and making a life out of it mm-hmm. and one and of you're the, not a teenager like which it that yeah. is that is a big accomplishment i That's am what we're so grateful about. and i don't yeah. under like i don't underappreciate the what what i've been able to do mm-hmm. at the same time i also know all the things yeah. that are ahead of me yeah. but your but breakthrough yeah. one of the huge breakthroughs and i think kobe bryant says it or something is uh 
when I realized that shows, for instance, you know, I was always so nervous. Will this go well? Will it not? Will it go well? Will it not? And then I realized, like, it barely matters, even though it completely yeah. matters. <laughs> what matters is that the next day, whether it goes good or not, I'll be back practicing again. Right. I'll be back. So if you love it or hate it, I'm going to be back tomorrow. This is what I do. Yeah. I really hope I really hope we all have a good time. But I'm going to be back tomorrow doing it all over again. And guess what? If you hate it and I suck, yeah. I'm still going to be back tomorrow again. And that's what matters, that I'll get, that I'll be practicing tomorrow, that I'll do another show tomorrow. Yeah. What happens now <laughs> is up to the grace of God. You know, like yeah. in the moment... We're both hoping it goes really, it's transcendent. I've, but all that matters is the work I did before and then the work I'm going to do again tomorrow. I've always perceived that mindset that you have as pure pessimism, but you're presenting it as pure optimism. It's like, because in the moment, sometimes I'll be like, David, all my strings popped. Who cares? <laughs> well, <laughs> well, in what the does it matter? <laughs> so it's like nihilism, but really you're thinking, tomorrow's another day. Well, no, <laughs> what I'm thinking is that what are you going to do when your strings pop yeah. in the moment? Right. What are you going to do? You're going to cry? Right. You're going to somehow work some magic that no one can tell? You sound like You're Gary in Dave. the moment. <laughs> of course, we. Uh, that's why we love him. No, 100%, <laughs> but it's always funny because sometimes it's, it's true. You're like... It, it, it's a funny thing because everything has to matter, but ever so it, it doesn't because if you're just process oriented, then it's just about the. Once you're in the moment, again. you're yeah. in the moment. Yeah. There's li nothing you could do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What you can do is like what you said at the beginning yeah. is set up structures and ways yeah. to keep doing things and keep yeah. getting better at them. I think that's another. And not getting key. too precious about particular instances along the way because as long as you're applying yourself, that's the that's you're winning in doing it. Yeah. yeah. You if know? you can keep doing it, you're you're doing I'm it. I'm struggling with that now. I just had a meeting. I didn't tell you about this, but I had a meeting. Um there's like a studio who wants to there's a, a producer at a studio who wants to make who wants to like make a TV show that he wrote and so he's trying to bring on this really big like iconic actors production company on it. So mm. we've practiced for a long time to pitch to them. And I didn't tell you about it because mm. like I get it. Because yeah, who, who who knows? And and so and so we had it. You tell like, me when it's real, you know? Yeah, and, and like this is one of those things I was like, oh, finally, this is the real thing. Mm -hmm. This is this is like how it's done. Mm -hmm. And then like you know, we haven't heard back from them yet, which probably means it's like a no. Mm -hmm. And so again, now I'm like sitting on my computer. I'm like, what the fuck is the point? <laughs> um, and I'm not good at that yet. Like I'm I'm, I'm really struggling. Like, I don't want to pretend yeah. that I'm good at it. It's a struggle uh -huh. every day. But that's the only thing I've found, and that's in my searches it's not like it means it's the only thing there is but the only thing i've found that makes any difference is that is getting up tomorrow uh -huh. practicing again and getting a little bit better than you were yesterday or uh -huh. last week or a year ago what else can right. i do yeah that's so, all i can't have control over. so i think about park jeremy parker who yes. was on here who he said um every no you get they're teaching you what to do better next time. Mm -hmm. um, and so I'm, try I'm trying to wrap my head around, like... What was his phrase? It was a tight phrase. Uh, learn until you win. Yeah. Like, learn until you're undeniable. Yeah. So, like, he's like, let them say no to you a hundred times. On the hundredth time, you'll have exactly what they need because you know what they don't... Thomas want. Edison. I know... I'm, I haven't failed. I just know a thousand ways that don't work. Right, right, And right. guess what? And if you do win... It's right. wonderful. <laughs> it, 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 no, it is wonderful, and it often opens up a door to another thing. But it's not that different than losing. See, that's nice. That's nice. <laughs> what is different is doing it yeah, again yeah. and yeah. getting better. Did you see getting better is winning? I think. Right. Yeah. If you're better today than you were yesterday, <laughs> then you're winning. Yes. You saw Soul, right? The movie Soul. 
Yeah. Yeah, so remember the scene at the end? It's exactly that thing. He's been right. so goal-oriented. Like, once I finally play in a real band, in a jazz band, I will be the happiest person on earth. He comes outside. That's why that movie was so much deeper than a kid's movie. More than any Disney again. movie I've ever seen. He stands outside with with the seasoned musician who hired him. She's the, the jazz saxophone player. And he and she goes, what's wrong, honey? He goes, I don't know. It just It doesn't feel like I thought it would feel. You know, and she tells him this story, which is esoteric, which is uh, there's a fish swimming in the ocean and he comes across an older fish and he's like, um, are you lost? He's like, yeah, I'm looking for the ocean. He goes, honey, you in the ocean. Nah. And it's sort of like you have arrived already. You've been doing this. This is what it is. And if yeah. you pedestal things too much, you will set yourself up for disappointment. Did you see Trey play with Goose? Yeah, um, I saw a clip oh, of I it. I heard about yeah, that. So he, he, Who was there? Somebody just told me they uh, were there. A lot of people. Somebody at the show. <laughs> a, lot, a, lot, a lot of people. No, somebody at the show we did in Brooklyn the other night came up people, to me. A lot of people at this. Goose. Goose. Very you know goosey. A lot of birds. Lot of you birds. know what it was? And I, can't, I still can't place who it was, but it was uh, uh, someone I used to know in when I was younger yeah. doing these shows yeah. who came up to me and said, you know what? My daughter... You know, and when I met her, she was probably the age of her. Took me to the Goose show, mm-hmm. and Trey came out, oh, that's cool. and she was like, "It was the great Michelle." That's who it is, Michelle. Yeah. Hey, Michelle, mm-hmm. young teacher. <laughs> who took um, her to the Goose? I saw a clip. I'm like, I've never seen Goose before. I'm like, okay, yes, yeah. So, yeah, so, so well, well, so so I was thinking, like, for first of all, um, I'm th- if I was Trey, if yeah. Trey, if Trey was not a, as healthy as he is, yes, there's probably a thought in his head of like, like, oh, they're coming for us. Like, Goose is coming for us. They're, they they were playing small festivals. Now they're playing Radio City. Like. Like, right. There's got to be a little competition, but but he's very instead he's very gracious and is like, how can I help you? Like you guys seem nice, it'd be fun to play with you, I imagine. Mm-hmm. So they invite him on, he accepts, and then he's playing on Radio City, and he's probably thinking like, wow, you guys have it all ahead of you. Like when we, it's not even exciting for us to play Madison Square Garden, and we have to get excited about well, how can we make it exciting to play the Garden for the hundredth time? Like that's our challenge. Right. Like how do you make that? It's fun? different challenges. It, At no, the same time, music, yeah. yeah, but music self-sustaining, leveler, and yeah. like. We can be jealous of other acts, and what I always get, what I get, is like if if someone opens for me, yeah. I get terrified. I'm like, oh my god, how am I going to go on after these people? They're so great. <laughs> like we're going to get on. I always feel yeah. more comfortable getting on after somebody terrible. I have uh, to admit, uh, even though that's probably totally not true, because it's probably better for the audience to have good music all right, around. Right, right. But that being said, music, like the, I don't care who you are, and I, don't th- I think most musicians work this way. If you pick up a guitar and he picks up a guitar and you start having a conversation, all that stuff out the window, at least in the moment. Got like it, Radio it. City, Madison Square Garden, none of it matters. What matters is like being on the beat and right. in tune mm-hmm. and speaking to right. each other and getting this high all- that's hot. <laughs> Stronger than any of it. And all that other stuff is the positive externality of the good music. But I something tells me that what keeps Fish going all these years is that when Trey picks up a guitar and everybody plays, they just love that. Dude, there's and- a high from playing live. Mm-hmm. And I've tried lots of drugs. <laughs> and I've done different things. There's a high from playing live with some other musicians, with people in the room. Mm-hmm. There is nothing like it. Yeah. Roller coasters. Well, there is nothing like it. What's better, stand up hmm. or uh, or music for you? Well, a new chick is always good. <laughs> <laughs> True too. That's um, a... you know, yeah. There's old and new, but no. Yeah. What's better? Yeah. 
Yeah, you know, the funny thing is doing a good... I've only... I've done many, many... It's so disproportionate yeah. to, to compare at this point because what I'm really comparing is the novelty. And, and, and I'm overcoming different things when I'm doing stand-up right. than with music. Um, but music offers... They're, they're different. They're very similar and they're, they're like cousins or siblings with different... Distant cousins. Distant cousins. Music and comedy. Well, there, same, family, for- same family. Same <laughs> family. <laughs> same family, folks. Really. Quite, quite different. <laughs> they're the same they're family. They're different, but they are the same. They're the same family. They're, they're, they're doing the same... It's not the same mission in a way, but they're, they're different just, members of the same family. I just have to say, I just heard... Uh, I saw a clip a Trump, that popped up. Trump. Trump. So it's uh, what's Bill Maher has a yeah. podcast. He's talking yes, to Club John McEnroe. Yes, and they says about Trump. Mm-hmm. It's the greatest story. He says they're at the hockey game. This mm. is like McEnroe's with Trump, Johnny yeah. Mac, yeah. and they're at the Rangers game, I guess. And, yeah. and it's like a couple of years before he's running for president. Yeah. He's mm-hmm. but he's on uh, the Apprentice, and he's and they just happen to be like at the I'm sure the two greatest seats mm-hmm. right. together. And he comes over and he says he was loved it. It's like hey John, yeah they. Uh, Everything's wonderful, and they. He says at some point they, you know, they show them on the big screen, oh, and they say, you know, John McEnroe, you know, tennis champion. Is this President Trump or an ancient story? Be- before Pre- yeah, he yeah. was president, yeah. Is, yeah. he said, I think it's like a few years before he decided to run, right. like two, three years. So he's on The Apprentice, he's mm. all that. So they say right. John McEnroe, tennis Mac- champion, and the whole garden goes nuts cheering, and then they say, and Donald Trump, you know, real estate, and the mm. whole garden boos. Whoa, really? And this was pre-president yeah. Trump, though, so the I thought he'd be The whole garden more... booze. Mm-hmm. And he says, they love me, John. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't hear like, it. I was like, that is awesome. <laughs> he... That is such a great story. And he only has a, back he, only, he only hears positive <laughs> right? feedback. How that is next level. You know how masculine <laughs> that cheer is? Ooh, it's really, Can you really imagine good. that? Yeah. Right? We're talking about, like, maybe this person didn't like me. What is this person? They all love me, John. That is a superpower. I don't care yeah. what anybody says. I, that's what it is. He, can, he only hears positive feedback. Truly. Yeah. Interesting. It's all, also the need to say that to him, like to, to reinforce. Don't worry. I know you didn't even you didn't hear you the don't understand they what I me. understand, yeah. right? Yeah. But he really believes it. When yeah. he says that. He's not like, oh, they love me. Don't worry. He's saying, they love me. They just don't know it yet. Which in a, There's a power to that. Which in a the weird way, he, he's actually right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you yeah. know, that's what that's they used to the talk in the po- scariest part of the whole story. Right. Why were even like right. that? We used to talk about that too. Like when, and during President Trump days, it was like even the biggest people who can't stand him the most can't stop talking about yeah. him. They're like addicted him. to this. Yeah. This yeah, drug yeah, yeah. that is oh, Trump. Yeah, oh, like the, yeah. the news channels are hoping he runs again. Like yeah. it's, uh, in a way, because yeah. they're they're addicted to it. The hate of talking about it. Yeah. So he loves that too, because all he cares about. I don't is know if the this attention. is because of some algorithm or whatever. But you know, on my news feed on my phone, I still get a, like a Trump thing every day, mm, and I'm yeah. like, I don't care anymore. Yeah. Like, why are you sending me Trump? Well, you stuff? made a contribution in 2020. Something. Because of your campaign contributions. Your campaign contributions are public. This is not news. <laughs> Thank you so much. Mr. Swirsky. Yeah, yeah. Very musical yeah. guy yeah. from the Mashav. Yeah. He's a loser. Yeah. From, the, from the Mashav. <laughs> Distant Cousins not has a winning. big uh, truth social following. Truth social. Oh, we were talking about something. Oh, the stand-up versus... We talk about this all the time because David also watches a ton of podcasts and stand-up yeah. and has family in the stand-up game. Um, you do? Yeah. Yeah, my, I mean, yeah, my, my cousin is is a comedian, cool. Moshe Kasher. Yeah. Oh, that's your cousin? Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, that's cool. Uh, he um, just sold the show to HBO with uh, Nissan Black. Oh, you possible. Follow- we don't talk about it. No, <laughs> I don't actually know about that. 
<laughs> Actually, no, I'm totally no. Well, about Michael that. follows on the development yeah, side. Yeah, he does no, a lot totally. of TV. Yeah. Really funny. Yeah. Um, How's it going, Moshe? Yeah, that's right, that's right. He came up to me actually and was like, "Have you heard of this guy Nisim?" I was like. Nisim is in Nisim. I was like, yeah, sure. So that's fine. You know what? On were, that, were, you, were you like, I also have a pretty cool life. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but you know what it is? Remember, you said people I just hold a show too. <laughs> no. I just thought of this, but what you what you talked about how people feel like they get too cool for school, they don't want to share anything. I think what well, some no, of that it's, it's not too cool for school. It's it's a discomfort or they're guarded. They're guarded. Yeah. Because I think what that is is they're protecting themselves from buying into their own hype. Okay. Because you're seeing them one way, and if they go there with you and indulge it it'll give them a little bit of a false sense of what's really going on. And I think subconsciously people are like, when they're going, yeah, 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 I'm doing a show here, it's because they've known how they got there, they're behind the curtain, and they're seeing all the mess of it all. And you're seeing, that's really cool, and, he, and they want to say that, but they know doing that is kind of dangerous and kind of not fully true to what's going well, on. Well, also, they're exactly, well, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, this is, I mean, in a way, they're exactly the same. They're mm -hmm. worried about the things they're worried about on the yeah. same degree that you are. I mean, all you have to do is have someone come up to you and think that you're doing wonderfully, and you're like, right. oh, and, and this then is nonsense. And once it happens, they immediately don't think of that as something to brag about because it's happened, and they're looking at the next thing. Yeah, yeah it's true. Yeah, right. Totally, right? It's true. In yeah. stand-up versus music, on that question, I think about it. I compare all the time. Well, so music, you can sit in your room, play guitar, and have a great afternoon, and you feel like you feel fulfilled by that in some way. Mm -hmm. There's an element of music that is self-sustaining and self-fulfilling in. And the curiosity of exploring music, there's there's more that that offers that's not as audience-dependent as comedy. You can sit there writing jokes and be like, that's funny. But, like, the joke is sort of incomplete without right. the audience. Yeah. The same way the screenplay may be incomplete yeah, without say, the movie. Right, like, you need right. that visual. It's, it's the, the blueprint. It's the blueprint. But it needs its movie for it to feel like a finished work. Mm -hmm. Just like the joke needs its laugh to feel like a finished, a, like, you know, a finished piece. Mm -hmm. it, it, it's meant to do that or get that kind of reaction. Um, isn't music also like, and this is super hippie, but mm -hmm. it's, I, I often feel about music that it's more than one dimensional, mm -hmm. if that's Three, a word. Multi-dimensional? Multi-dimensional. I'm always giving different words. Multi more than one, is that the <laughs> next multi dimensional one, multi. <laughs> you, you moved around a lot as a kid, it's totally forgivable. But, <laughs> but I feel like music is working, but maybe it's also true about writing and stand-up, mm. but it's working on more than one level at the same time. Mm. It's like, yeah, I don't know. It's I also know. more subtle. People are more forgiving with it because there's a mystique to music. There's a barrier to entry. A lot of people think they're funny. A lot of people can try it, get up and make a joke and think it's funny and all these kinds of things. Anyone can get up with the mic and talk. But to play the guitar and sing in tune, that takes a little bit of craft and work, and that seasons you a little bit before you're getting up in front of people. You can rehearse with your band and have a great time before you're in front of the audience. You can separate those processes with right. stand-up. The only way for the jokes to get real good is to subject them to audiences in its raw form before it's really ready. And that's hard for your self-esteem. You have to really get over that and like bomb till you win in front of people. And music doesn't... You don't have to do that in right. that way. It's a different. But do you, you know. feel have the weird feeling? And I don't know how long we're going. Yeah, we're we're gonna wrap. But so but like do you get the feeling that music's <laughs> lost its place in the culture? In culture, like it's deep. I can't help but, in a certain sense, feel like music's has its value has dropped a little in a weird way. Even though that would be a too hard to say that as a overall thing. But it definitely doesn't. It feel like comedy, for instance, has risen. Mm, and music yeah. is dropped. TV and movies are the same way. The right? uh, a big movie isn't what a big movie used to be. Blockbuster. Right? It doesn't change 
culture. Center. Right. Like, it doesn't center the attention. Right. Yeah. Like I mean, Top Gun was the biggest movie of the last several years. Mm-hmm. Have you heard anyone say a line from Top Gun? Right. Mm-hmm. Or like anything? It right. was just made money, and that's just kind of what it was. It's not at the center of the. Yeah. Of so what is? Culture. So there isn't Comedy. any. Center. I don't think there anymore. is a center. No. It's Maybe niche that's now. Why Oh. And that's also maybe that's why comedies like well, grabs po- po- you. politics yeah. are, I'd say, of the culture. I just, but in entertainment, and specifically entertainment, like the arts, in the arts per se, there there isn't a center because we're now entering the world of niche audiences. And with comedy, with music, you had your channels, you had like radio and touring and concerts and like records. With comedy, you had to be a road comic who maybe got a sitcom. Right. That was your only way. You had no means to build an audience I, before you got greenlit by someone who said, oh, I did MTV commentary and I was on those funny VH1 things. Like That's how comics used to try to get audiences. Is, this is what Andrew Schultz spoke about. He was on a podcast talking about like you, you would work the road, you try to get on tours, and the only way to like tell a club, hey, I can bring some people is because I'm either on this show or you do like, you know, remember those MTV, I love the 90s, and like you'd have comedians try to comment right. on, this was the worst thing to happen in 92. Oh my God, the Spice Girls were, and they were like, just try to be funny. There were no podcasts, there were, and maybe some people had radio, but you didn't have as many channels yeah. that were front and center the way it is now with Netflix specials and, uh, and social media. Yeah. Michael is thinking if he agrees I'm with me. I'm thinking. That. Yeah, I think that's part of it, but I, I also think part of it is there hasn't been a really good TV show or music or band to come out in a long time. See, like, like I'm, I'm not saying the bands aren't good. Get him, D. <laughs> oh, sorry. No, obviously, yeah. besides this. Because, no, no, but I, I think if there was a transformative artist who, who by the way, like, so I think the songs that filter their way into pop culture are also, like, serving the algorithm in a certain way. So, like, it's possible you're not finding a transformative song because it, it wouldn't get served to you because it doesn't Well, then it also all becomes, it all becomes, like, a revolving thing. Right, it's because, corporate. Because, like, for instance, it's like, you know, I think about this sometimes. I'm like, oh, like back in the day, the greatest minds went to religion, for instance. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Like say, let's take biblical times, right? <laughs> Obviously, Moses was one of the great minds, and he's went into religion. Great like, guy. That's what was happening then. You know, <laughs> right. it's like, oh, I can talk to, you know, talking to God was a high commodity, right. and if you could do that, that was like you were the rock star of the day. Right. <laughs> great guy, Moshe, great guy. I feel like in the 60s, a lot of the great minds went to music mm-hmm. in a certain way. Like Bob music. Dylan chose right. to play, strum a guitar yeah. and write these transcendent songs. Now he maybe he would be a comedian mm-hmm. or maybe he'd be a, a, a computer programmer. I don't know. Right. You know? Or a politician. I, don't know. I think a lot of the great minds are going to, con- to stand-up and comedy mm-hmm. and yeah. podcasting. Yeah, not into um, music as much yeah. because it's like a more difficult path. But, you know, I'm a musician. There's piles of great music coming mm. out. It's just, yeah. it's flattened to like, there's no center to it. Yeah. There's no center genre. There's no dominant genre that's like helping us define what's going on right now. Mm. Billie Eilish is huge and there's beat and there's pop stars. There's all these things. But there's a lot more attention divided but, now. But Billie yeah. Eilish's music isn't like changing someone's mind. You know, like, 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 if, if an artist, if an artist came, you mean like, socially impactful? If, yeah. If if a musician came around and and gave us a way to reconcile the right and the left, mm-hmm. like liberals and conservatives, right. like with a song, they would be the biggest artists in the world. But mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like anyone can do that. I'm not sure about that. You see, I'm not sure that that's true because because okay. because you need the the vehicle for it to really be the biggest thing in the world. Uh-huh. It's like you can't like Ami might have written that song. But you also, might have not you know seen it, Distant you know? Cousins live? <laughs> no, <laughs> you clearly you might not know it. Okay. It's a Trump so and I, Bernie am, rally. Am I, am I like Our all... shows are Trump and Bernie rallies. <laughs> all entertainment right was shut off for yeah. one night 
and mm-hmm. all that you could watch was uh, Jimmy Fallon, <laughs> and, the, and then a singer came on Jimmy Fallon and did anything mm-hmm. that would have more impact than you writing the greatest song in the world today mm-hmm. and putting it out on Spotify, and right. no one would know. Not enough people are watching one thing. That's what Saturation. I think the Beatles. I, I wonder. Everyone was watching the Beatles, and it changed the world. And they weren't that great. <laughs> But they were. Well, no, but the Beatles. Don't the, go there. The song Don't go there. I'm willing to discuss anything. <laughs> they weren't even musicians. They weren't real musicians. Okay, okay um, Ben Shapiro style. No, no, but um, I guess the song they played wasn't. Oh, you mean on Ed Sullivan? Yeah, on Ed That's kind of true. Yeah. yeah, what song did they play on Ed Sullivan? Hold Your Hand? I Hold think? Your Hand, I think. Uh, that you're making, you're saying that when they, when they did that in what, that moment. What was mind blowing, if you want to get into this? <laughs> well, I think what was, first of all, you had everyone watching the same thing. Mm-hmm. Right, that's huge already. Mm-hmm. You know that doesn't that already is, but what was mind blowing to people about that was they were like r- regular folks. They the were be- kids the like were, everyone yeah, else. Yeah. Every all the kids saw themselves in that, yeah. and because they weren't like you said, mm-hmm. it, I polished. You know, I think you could argue it, but they weren't certainly weren't polished, mm-hmm. and they weren't like Frank Sinatra's band. Right, mm-hmm. literally the greatest musicians on earth in tuxedos. In tuxedos, perfectly. yeah. Everyone was like, oh, I could do that. Right. That's what changed the world uh, about them. Uh, and they also, literally the next day, the birds were born. Yeah, and ev- everything changed the Maybe next day. Maybe that's what podcasting is doing, because everyone looks at them and say, I could set that up. And here we are. 100%. Huh. Huh. Interesting. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 don't know if, I don't know if music's taken a backseat. It's just that other things have joined it. These other mediums and arts well, and expressions have just joined the... You know, attention scape of people, what they consume in the arts. It's like totally, you know. But um, again, yeah, I guess there are. It comes in waves, like art, like paintings and stuff. Probably had its heyday in some ways. Maybe we'll come back. But an but I guess in NFTs and digital art, it's like coming back too. Like artists are now becoming these superstars in a, in a digital way. So it all is like the one thing I think. Sometimes music might have some purpose to serve in the future. When I look at my kids, mm-hmm. is something that's seems to be less and less popular and interesting to kids is the idea of a band specifically. Yeah. Meaning like playing with people you love, connecting on this very deep level and in a room full of people who are with you. There's something very exciting, very multi-dimensional about it. And maybe, because as we move into a world where things are more personal, like everyone's in the box, box, that something like that, and comedy's not like that necessarily, because comedy you do on your own. So it doesn't serve... Sketch comedy, not but stand-up. But yeah, sketch comedy could be acting, like stuff that you do together. Collaborative, collaborative. That you can work on and that really feels deep and powerful. I don't know how many things are left like that. You know well, certain I mean? genres wow. suffer from that because, like, the singer-songwriter is a solo guy in general or girl. Right. But rock bands are, are formed. The music comes out of bands. bands. Jam bands. But yeah. even in Folk Day, yeah. I mean, yeah, you yes. had... But even that... You had, the like, the... Joni the, Mitchell the sort band. of traveling minstrel that yeah. was on his own. But he'd always be joining up with other people. Yeah. And it was always, like, hootenannies. And there was always, you know... And if back in the day, you know... Ten guys sitting around a, a, a tree in a trunk banging on But I'm just making the point that like, I wonder if that corresponds to the decline in specific genres that are really based on the formation of a band, like punk and rock and those 100%. Things, you know? Billie Eilish is made in a, on a computer for people on a but computer. I, I would go the other way, that um, people are drawn more towards the singular individual because that's how they feel. Where they're like, they're like, I feel alone, so I mm. want to see an artist who's doing it alone. Maybe. Totally. Yeah. That's I what, that's personally I connect more to singular artists than uh-huh. I do bands, I mm. think, most of the time. 
but I'm just wondering. It could be it's gone forever. I or agree it could with be you. that there'll be some. I place agree where with it's... you that it's a lost. It's it's going to become a lost experience. But I'm also like, is that the get off my lawn? Because I came from that world, and maybe there. But there's an argument like the Gary V things. Like these these kids are connecting in ways you couldn't even imagine. Yeah, this uh, guy collaborated with someone in Japan. Yeah, so that's why I'm not at all judgmental. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just wondering if that's something that will but be. That's the technology you're losing and you're gaining. You yeah. know, new something new and losing something old. Yeah. Um, and maybe when the metaverse becomes completely at one with us in our Neuralink, we're all jamming in the same room but yeah. not being there. Well, maybe. we're all going to end up flying spiders yeah, with yeah. brains anyway. <laughs> Mechanical oh. spiders with brains. Exactly. Human oh, brains. the synthetic body from yeah, Lex Fridman? Totally. <laughs> we're something. all going to have synthetic bodies, and then why what would you want say? your synthetic body to look like this? I would want to <laughs> be like a eight-legged flying spider. Right? Yeah, the Lex Fridman had somebody on talking about how in the, we're just going to be consciousness one day and, and, and design our bodies synthetically. Well, that bodies, you know, are going to be synthetically designed mm -hmm. right? very soon. I want to look like Lex Fridman. You want to look like Lex Fridman? <laughs> like I want to have Lex Fridman's mind. I don't yeah. care what the body is next. Exactly. <laughs> David Swirsky. Uh, last so point. Fun. I feel like we could sit here all day, but yeah. we do have some work Roe to v. do. Roe v. Wade. Let's just... I'm just kidding. <laughs> Oh boy. Let's go. Let's talk about it. No. We could do that next time. David Swirsky, ladies and gentlemen, on the Buckle Up podcast. A wonderful musician, artist, friend, bandmate. Love you, Ami. You this too. Great. Now. Thanks, Michael. Love you too. Michael. Now. Michael's the Michael. sixth or seventh cousin now What's by extension. <laughs> dope. He's like, no. you dope? Wait. <laughs> it's like you too, Bob. <laughs> That's David Swirsky, ladies and gentlemen. What an honor. Our surprise guest on Buckle Up episode 34, probably. 34, I'm losing yeah, count. That's so. a good sign. That yeah. means we're being consistent. Yeah. All right, ladies oh, and gentlemen. We'll see you next time. Buckle up, baby. Distant Cousins can be found on Instagram at Distant Cousins official on Spotify and anywhere where there's music that's where we'll be I really am in a band and he's the proof can we like play a Distant Cousins song at the end of this Ooh. a little harmony to go out we don't have to actually oh, yeah, play that it. could be cool Should we actually play I, I thought put it on I meant thing. like put it on uh, do you want to play something <laughs> we've been do you want to quick we have so much work to do okay fine oh I'm on my way I'm on my way I'm on my way Yeah, not bad, right? Wait, well, you can be the third cousin <laughs> he, he backed up Did I just ruin it? Thank that you guys for watching <laughs> David, thank you for being here Thank you for doing this Awesome Thank you, David See you see what the full band podcast is yeah. All right? Stay tuned Gotta watch you disappear Don't worry Daddy's gonna handle all the money